The Starbucks incident, how to assess what happened and what should happen next. Let's get the inside story. Good morning, I'm Tamala Edwards. The cameras didn't even start rolling yet and we're already getting into this. Everybody really wants to weigh in, so let's introduce you to the panel. We'll start with Government Affairs Exec David Dix. Good morning. Good to be here. Nonprofit Exec Donna Gentile O'Donnell. Good morning, Tam. Attorney AJ Raju. Good, Good morning. morning. Marketing Exec Brian Tierney. We have a lot of executives. Good morning. And many who figure with a view on this story. And Nonprofit Exec Farah Jimenez. Good to have you back, Farah. Thank you. Thanks for being Good to be back. Let's, most people know the basics of this story. 4.35 on a Thursday afternoon, two African-American men walk into this Starbucks at 18th and Spruce. They've got a 4.45 meeting, they sit down, one asks to use the bathroom, and the manager says, no, you haven't bought something, and he says, we're just waiting on a meeting. Two minutes later, by the 911 timeline, she has called in police and said, I've got two people who will not leave. Police show up, and within minutes, by the time this business partner gets there, these two men are being walked out in handcuffs with other patrons going, but they didn't do anything. There's so many aspects of this story. We've seen the CEO of Starbucks, the former CEO, the mayor, and the police chief all apologize about what has happened. And I find myself when I was saying, where should we start on this? Well, that's a great question. Is this about the manager who within two minutes made this call? Is this about Starbucks as a whole and their policy of this is your living room, come on in? Is this about the police and the decisions they made in that 10 minute window? Where's the center of this story? I think it's in the gray. <clears throat> I think one of the issues here is that there's a black and white to all policies and laws. And so there's a store policy that clearly states that they are not allowed to have admission to the restroom unless they've purchased an item. And then you're also an invitee to the property at Starbucks. And then there's the law uh, that the police must respond when given a call where there's a signal of distress. So everybody acted according to the policy and the law. Where the problem is, is the gray. Should there have been discretion issued by the store manager, which should have suggested to her she didn't necessarily need to call the police. Should the police have exercised their discretion in terms of whether or not you needed seven police officers there and whether or not you needed to arrest those individuals when they weren't appearing to be disorderly in the moment. So it's in the gray where we all start to attach all of our own personal narrative. If you're a person of color who's been followed in a store, mm. you know this experience. If you're a person of color who has been denied and then see somebody Caucasian get access to a bathroom, you know this story. And now if you're on the other side of it and you have a police officer in your f family, you know the story maybe in a different way. Mm -hmm. So I think all of us attach that, which is why this has become such a powerful media story. And then add on to it the power of social media, add on to the power of actually video cameras taken, which we can't hear exactly what's being said. Um, and add on to it, and this is one of the things that we advise clients, when you have these sorts of situations occur, you really have to jump on it fast. If you wait 24 or 48 here, 72 hours, to in some extent before Howard Schultz himself gets involved in it, especially with the Starbucks brand, which represents, is the antithesis of these sorts of things too as well. A lot of damage gets done. Rashawn Nelson and Dante uh, Robinson, they bl on Good Morning America, they blame Starbucks. They don't blame the police. However, they talked about their anxiety associated with being incarcerated for nothing yeah. for eight hours. And I think what's important to remember is that we're, we're living in African Americans, people of color, immigrants are, are living in a culture of fear. I go all the way back to 
I mean, Sandra Bland, does anybody remember Sandra mm -hmm. Bland? I mean, this woman was was brought in on a, on a minor traffic violation and ended up dead a couple of days later because of the disregard of the authorities. And here are these two guys who've done nothing, and they're sitting in police protection for eight hours wondering, am I going to be another story? Am I going to be another casualty? So, as an African-American in Philadelphia, and I think it's... Um, we, we were short-sighted to look at this as a one-off issue. This is a continuum of an American history that has always um, looked to prosecute black bodies in public spaces. Uh, if you look to the 1936 issuance of the Negro Motorist Green Book, it was a book that was literally designed Which to Which all keep of our grandparents had. Had it, still mm -hmm. have it at the house. Designed to keep us safe as we travel from home. Which hotels can you legitimately stay at? Which gas stations can you be at? And where Which, should you not where stop? Where can you right. eat and where should you, you not avoid, stop? Right. And Philadelphia has presented itself as a place where, particularly in, in Rittenhouse Square, that you should be able to conduct a business meeting in a Starbucks that adv advertised itself as a place to do such things. It's the original uh, co-working space, if you will. And to not see this incident as a continuum of prosecution on black bodies in public spaces, I think, is, is short-sighted. So, wait, let's, let's walk through what happened in the various aspects of it. The manager, we don't know her version of events, but we do know it was just two minutes before the officers were called. There's a police report that suggests the men, while respectful and quiet, may have had an interaction with police that some people saw as being perhaps rude to them. Is there a rush to judgment when we don't know what was said to this woman that we have not heard yet in those two minutes? What could have been said? It, there perhaps, and I don't want to, I know AJ has, has, has but it, at one point when the, when the other fellow comes in, who is the business person who's meeting them, and he says, they're waiting for me. What's going on? What, what? At that point, Cooler Head should have said, oh, okay, I'm sorry for the confusion. The police should have left. He's a, a person who came in and explains the whole thing. And instead, it goes and escalates. A, and, you know, they don't seem like they're acting disrespectful. Um, if somebody said, oh, your words were so dis... Well, you know what? You, you're, it's, it is called America. You're Free allowed speech. to say anything you really want, <laughs> you. you know? Okay? It's the United States of America. Freedom of speech. No, I... Uh, uh, first of all, great analysis by everybody. Really proud of it. <laughs> well, thank the, the you, discussion. AJ. Really, I'm, I mean it. I'm listening. It's, it's really brilliant analysis. But I agree with many of these things. One, it is a gray area. Two, it is a continuum. And there is confusion. The problem with modern day, as opposed to 10 years ago, even five years ago, is that our Facebook and social media have become now the ghettos of grievances, where yeah. we identify with our tribe and attack the other. So as soon as this went viral, you know, we had narratives where people started lobbing bullets and, and grenades at each other and took the context out. And I think what we ought to focus on is where's the continuum? Mm -hmm. If we started teaching African-American history, not only in heavily dense uh, African-American schools, but all schools, then you would understand the perspective of African-Americans from a historical standpoint to today, understand the deficit uh, that explains why there's a gap in wages, why there's a gap in the treatment, and why uh, you know it is uh, tough being black in America. So I understand what you're saying, but here's the question. Anybody who has a business, especially in a high traffic area, you are dealing with a lot of things at once. Some people, I mean, Starbucks, if it, you're going to say it's the living room, then you got to let everybody treat right. it like the living room. So that part belongs to them, but also you will have people who are mentally disturbed. You will have people who are disruptive. You will have people who come in and whatever's going on, what should the rule of thumb be? And how you assess what's allowed and what's not allowed? I think discretion. So I will, so I, I'm 
I don't drink coffee, but I did go to Starbucks once because I needed to use the bathroom. And they I'm said, you can't, you can't use it without buying something. I was partly offended because I'm so entitled that I felt like, well, you can't just use the bathroom. Then two seconds later, I bought something, used the bathroom, and I walked away. So I, it, it, it does happen. I know the rule because it was applied to me. I, don't th I was wearing a suit. I don't think it was discrimination as much as it was a policy. Mm -hmm. And I abided by it. I was annoyed a little bit, but I moved on. But isn't it slapdash? But, but, if you but as a company say, we want here regardless of what you buy or don't buy. Right. And I personally have done both. I've had people say, buy something. I've gone in and waited for 30 minutes discretion. with no one saying anything to me. That's the Starbucks. discretion, whether or not the manager overreacted here. That's yeah, the, the manager discretion. most certainly overreacted here. And the Starbucks policy, while it may be to buy something that rent to the bathroom, it's not buy something that enter the store. Right. And any number of people, as a part of their historical business practices, would meet at Starbucks right. to have a meeting. Right. I mean, this is... To think that to arrive early to a meeting could subject you to prosecution and arrest right. is is erroneous. Well, and, so if, so and if there's any silver lining in this that, that I want to lift up in the continuum, it's the conscious white people who were there that day, who said, nothing, who, sa yeah. who, who said something about the injustice that was going on, who recorded it, who followed the police to make sure the rest was was just, if you will, um, the, the businessman that they met. That's that's the silver lining in all this, I think. You're, you're seeing a new generation uh, of, of white folks who are seeing injustice for what it is and willing to speak out. Now, so Starbucks I'm, is saying, we are going to do this retraining, bringing in big names like Brian Stevenson and Sherilyn Eiffel, and they're going to lose money. They're going to lose $60 million for an afternoon. Is that enough? And does, does that stuff really make a difference? Does it mean that this is not going to happen again? Or is it just to be nice, butt covering? I, I, I think it's good that they're doing something tangible. Uh, and I think it, it is good that, that they're, uh, and all the rest of it. But a little bit is packaging, obviously. But it, they can actually say, here's what we did. It was unique. We shut down every store for several hours to go through a process. And in the end, though, you know, you, you can almost you were stopped and said buy something okay maybe you weren't so other times maybe it's because you're from Southeast Asia <laughs> anyway but I don't want to get into that so anyway but um, but so it's a little bit of common sense it's a little bit of everybody wants to quickly make it something you know we understand it but I do think it's smart that they're doing it. But what would fix this? But what would fix yeah, this? Well, so, here, so here's the situation. What's interesting and ironic about, about this situation is that it happened at a Starbucks. Starbucks is not known as the ultimate temple for the alt-right. This is a place <laughs> that's known yeah. for being about, incredibly yeah. liberal right. and has put forward things about anti-racism. This has all been part of their right. corporate narrative as well as their former CEO who's posited that he has intentions to run for, for president. You know, president as a Democrat. Yeah. So yeah. this is a very for all accounts, a liberal organization. It needed to do what it needed to do in terms of shutting down and having this moment. But again, this lies in the room in the air of discretion. And so it is entirely, right, and it is, but discretion is personal. At that moment, did I feel insulted? We don't know if she felt insulted. We don't know if she was verbally attacked. We don't know if she felt threatened in some way. We don't know if she was purely um, exercising her discretion in a way that was racist. We don't know these things. What we do know is that she did call the police. And what we know is that in the future, someone's going to step in it w again, because it's natural. If they have a policy that says that they need to have customers who are buying cars. We've seen I Rich Ross apologize mm -hmm. for the police department and what he had to say. And as I saw him do that, I mean, he said they were going by the book, mm -hmm. but he shouldn't have said it was right. But if they were going by the book, just doing what they're used to doing, did he have to apologize? I mean, if he kind of suggests, we got dragged into this. This woman called us and we, did and he felt manipulated. We right. did what we always right. do, and now I'm stuck with this. So, so I, think, I think his apology was the beginning of a teachable moment. 
and I think that um, I, th I want to roll the tape back again to six months into the Obama administration when Professor Henry Louis Gates was arrested in his own home. He was coming back from a trip. He couldn't get into his house. But is that he fair to, to bring up with Richard Ross and let, his but officers just, who just they go, do this in just, businesses all day long, no I, matter who it is? But, right. but, but what, happened, what happened after that was that our president, President Obama, brought Professor Gates and the arresting officer to the White House to have a conversation about what actually happened. Right now, in America, we don't have a moral leader in the White House. Everyone is acutely aware of it. This sets the stage for these kinds okay, of things to happen. I but I want to bring this back to this because if I'm Richard Ross and I'm trying to figure out what my officers should do, you want us to come in and fix this. He's talking about statements. Now you want us to come in and interview everybody in on the store. What is appropriate for the Philadelphia Police Department to have to do here? Let me start, if I can, with Starbucks. I think, you know, to think that a one-day training, you know, when has a, uh, a corporate training ever solved any problems? I think it's an adequate first step. I think it's important that everybody have a baseline for what their natural pre, uh, predisposed prejudices are and how they should uh, not implement them in the workplace. But I don't... If I want to see Starbucks behave differently, I want to see them behave differently as, as a corporate citizen. Why aren't there more Starbucks in neighborhoods? Why mm. isn't their, um, their, their, their employee bake, makeup uh, more diverse? Why aren't they um, building relationships with community? And that's the, that's the direction they can go into for systemic change. As for the police, I mm. think the police have to start to, and they should be, um, implementing their own discretion to, to the point that other guests have made. Implement their own discretion in these situations. There's no reason you see two businessmen sitting waiting for a meeting mm -hmm. and you say this is a direct threat that needs to be handled right now. There's no reason if I'm a police officer, I would say, you know what? Here's two dollars. Get them some coffee so they can stay away from the meeting. So, you so know, those are things so that I would like the police to do. My guess, my guess is they did what they always did and say, we're asking you to leave. We're asking you to leave, and they three times said we're not going to so because they didn't think they were doing it, you know, because they said the, we have what, a right to be What the store here. manager did was prejudice. Right. She saw two African Americans, one of which asked for the restroom, and then she saw that as a perceived threat. What the police did was racist, was mm. racism, because now you have an institution supporting a prejudice, and that's wrong. And Listen, that's why the commissioner I've got a question here, because I think they often respond to if we've asked you to do something and you don't do it, then we're going to take I've told my kids in the time who we were 14 years old, whenever you see a policeman and he tells you to do something, do it, okay? These are white kids growing up on, on, in the burbs, okay, out in uh, uh, Upper Murray Township at the time. So there is some aspect of that. I, I don't know. It, I, there's a lot of confusion here in the why the, when, the, when the, they were calmly saying it, cooler heads wouldn't have prevailed. The manager wouldn't say, you know what? I don't want to have seven police. This is a bit. Of, then when the guy comes in and says, I'm having a meeting with him, it just things spill. Out right. I feel kind of sorry for Richard Ross because I think he's trying mm -hmm. to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I felt awkward that he was in this situation based upon my guys did the right thing. Now I apologize. I mean, he's not used to the global stage. This was I was in Europe last week. This was in the media over there. As I, well. also, so, I also so, think so, it's so, important so. for us to be careful of demonizing the police for acting mm -hmm. by the letter of the law. Mm -hmm. Now, what happened and transpired in terms of the interaction with the two gentlemen maybe their emotions got elevated and that's why they chose to arrest them rather than having a conversation. I think okay. the only gain here is what um, Richard Ross said, is that he didn't really understand the, the nature works. of that particular establishment, which 
creates an invitation as a living room, right. and therefore should the conversation might have had to be different. It's, David, it's I can tell you're steaming over here. It's important for the police to understand the nature of relationships in Center City, Philadelphia, if they're going to be policing that area. It's also important, I want to raise one statistic. 3% of Rittenhouse Square, Center City, is uh, residents are African American. 67% of the pedestrian stops and arrests in Rittenhouse Square, Center City, are African American. There's an injustice there, and we have to we have to be okay as a community exposing that injustice and saying that's not okay, and going in a different direction in the future. We wait, cannot let be me doubling click this AJ and get you in on this and ask it this way: If there were two white guys there, couldn't use the bathroom, had a meeting, the police have asked them three times to leave. Do you think it would have ended in a, an arrest because they denied a police order? I think that's a different way of... It's, it's possible. Mm. I mean, I think that's the discretion. I think to blanketly assume that all police generally treat one race one way, other race another way, I think it's a gross generalization. Mm. There are bad apples. I think there's institutional racism, especially uh, in the police force and others. And it's in the training. It's in the water. Having said that, it's a tough job. When you're walking in, not knowing exactly what you're about to encounter, that's why you have seven or eight people walking in, mm -hmm. because you don't know what exactly you're, you're going to expect. Uh, Commissioner Ross was put in a political pressure. He has, to, he has to not only defend and run an organization to have morale, mm -hmm. we're protecting the police officers, their right to do their jobs with safety, and at the same time, treat people with dignity and humanity. How you do that, you know, you can have that same treatment depending on who you are if you're being belligerent, but you're right, uh, right. we also teach in our Indian family, you know, a uh, 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 mixed family that uh, if police officer, anybody with authority asks you, do don't escalate do. things. Just Very, very quickly, David, because we got to go. Yeah, I mean, if it was two white guys, three times we asked you to leave, do you think it would have ended It's been my arrest? experience that in situations like this, African Americans are met with hostility, where white Americans are met with hospitality. And I think if, if, an, if a white American went into Starbucks, asked to use the restroom, and was told they had to purchase something and didn't, they would not have had the police called on them. I just, in the first I place. I believe that systemically. I do not believe that they would have the police called on them in the first place. And when the police arrive and see two African-American business people waiting to conduct business, they have to use the discretion to see this is not a threat and this is not something we want to escalate. All right, I still have questions. So I think when we come back, we might still be talking <laughs> about this. We'll be right back. 6ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Welcome back to Inside Story. We talked all through the commercial break. There's a political aspect to this. Jim Kinney, he came out and said some things at the beginning week, was apologizing by the end of the week. Some African-American politicians and leaders are saying, that's just talk. We want to talk about stop and frisk. We want to talk about other changes. Is there political peril for Kenny on this, that he's gotten a lot of goodwill, but this could be a turning point for him? It seems to be a turning point in a good way so far. I mean, he was pretty proactive about being the mayor, meeting with the executives of Starbucks. Uh, I understand he, al he also met with uh, the two victims of the arrest as well. Uh, so I think he's been pretty proactive in regards to this response. And, you know, to the, to the degree that there's a political gain or loss, I think she's probably on the plus side through this exchange. I agree with David's analysis, and I also think that I, I spoke to the mayor, and one of the things that he pointed out is he thought that the officers could have diffused the situation by just buying each of those guys a bottle of water and saying, okay, here, here you go, you're here, and, and saying to the manager, all right, we bought this bo these bottles of water. We don't see any threat here. So I think there's going to be a longer conversation internally. Uh, with Commissioner Ross, I think you know. I think he was, as other panelists have pointed out, um, he he's trying to straddle a line between making sure that the law is followed, but also 
uh, being respectful and responsive to the human circumstance. It was just too little humanity and too much lo uh, line drawing in this episode. For those of you who run businesses, I think a lot of business owners and a lot of citizens are looking back and going, I've been talking about Starbucks now for a week. We want to know how to turn the page. What should the answer be so African Americans can go in businesses and not feel imperiled, so business owners should know what to do? What are concrete, real things that should happen? So this feels like there's been truly some sort of difference or understanding or resolution. Like, what would you have businesses do? Well, one part of it is to build the trust bank going forward, right? So it's to make sure when incidents like this does happen, people know that this is aberrational to that corporation or company because then they say, well, you know what? They've also done this and then done this outreach and they have this program to hire more minorities. And That's others not saving they, Starbucks right now. No, it isn't. But because I don't think people are as aware about their trust bank, to be honest with you. It's mm -hmm. kind of like a cool brand. It's a hip, uh, you know. You know, you're going to get a cup of coffee, but I don't know much about what the values are of it, the company. Now I know Howard Schultz is thinking of running for uh, probably for president of the United States, which is probably freaking him out about this whole thing <laughs> at the last minute. But anyway, uh, so that's it. So build the trust back. Have a disaster recovery plan. Have that emergency plan so you quickly jump on top of it. They seem to not have had that. They probably have had a plan for, God forbid, somebody got sick on coffee or the beans were bad, but perhaps not for this sort of a situation, too. Train, 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 and jump on it, too. They if I'm Jimmy Joe's Coffee, a small mom and pop, what should I take out of this? I think David, what you want, I think what citizens want, I think what the public wants is that they would love for these businesses to have aspirational goals about how they treat everybody e equitably. Mm. I think what you will get is true business practice, which will be a policy that will ensue, that will establish very clear lines as to who's an invitee and who is not, and the terms under which you can expel someone. So I think more likely than not, you're gonna see more signs saying, purchase a product to access bathroom. You're allowed to be here for a certain amount of time. There are going to be these kinds of rules that will remove discretion and judgment from managers, but will allow them to point to policies as the reason why they're expelling someone. I think, I think Farrah's right. Look, for most companies, there are sort of whistle-whistle policies that tell you what to do. It is right moral and ethically and business-wise. But then there are sort of these dog-whistle practices that happen. And the, uh, the test is, can we fix the dog whistle uh, practices in business? Yep. Is, is this a game-changing moment, David? Or if six months from now, it'll just be one more in a ticker tape of things we've talked about? I certainly hope so. And t to be a game-changing moment would mean that we all have to take this moment as an opportunity to question our implicit bias. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's that's the right. game changer. The game changer is not what Starbucks pivots and does from a PR standpoint in the next couple of days. The game changer is whether we all take this stock in ourselves and say, what is our implicit bias? Every human deserves dignity and respect. And how do I, through my daily work, offer that? All right, well, that's been it. We'll be back in a moment for Inside Stories. 6ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Welcome back. We have two special inside stories. Brian. Group of Philadelphia and Steve Collis, Michael and Sue Young, Richard Green, Limited Partner Eagles were over there in Rome to present Carson Wentz and Nick Foles jerseys to Pope Francis. They found out that there was a young girl who, who had just gotten a very tragic uh, diagnosis with her parents. They gave them her seat. They, they gave their seats. She met the Pope. They stepped back and the Pope is going to look on the uh, Foles and Wentz jerseys in the next couple of weeks. Beautiful on their part. Farah. 
looking to Harrisburg, could there be some buyer's remorse among our Supreme Court justices after their vote on the redistricting case? It looks like they may have forgotten that they are a co-equal branch of government with the legislature, which in turn makes decisions about its budget. And so look to Harrisburg to see how the budget is exercised by the House and the Senate, as well as whether or not the Supreme Court punches back on the William Penn School District case, which is equitable funding and tries to also overreach uh, judiciary on that case over the legislature. So the drama's not over. Uh, there oh, might be shocking. continuing war of roses. All right. Well, that's it for us this week. Thank you for joining us on Inside Story. This, of course, will be up on 6abc.com, and we look forward to seeing you next weekend as well. well let's pray for that little girl. Yes.